y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, host of NPR's Coronavirus Daily and Embedded Podcast, Kelly McEvers, and co-host of NPR's Morning Edition, David Green. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Happy weekend to my listeners, to my guests. Kelly McEvers, host of two NPR podcasts, Embedded and NPR's newest podcast, Coronavirus Daily, and David Green, co-host of NPR's Morning Edition. You both are talking to me from your home studios. How's that going? From an undisclosed location. It's going great. (laughs) (laughs) It's different. We're making it work. It is very different. Yeah, yeah. It it is a whole new reality for everyone right now. But I was thinking this morning as I was putting together my home studio, at least I still have a job. Yes. So thanks for that. Absolutely. Your home studio being... Yeah, I think we all all feel that way. Describe it for us, would you? So my home studio is me under my dining room table, laying down in front (laughs) of the computer screen with a bunch of blankets and shower curtains draped over the table to make it kind of nice sounding. And then there's pillows on one side of me as well against the wall to help muffle the sound. It's kind of a hot box, but we're going to make it. That's amazing. You get get high grades for effort. I did not go that far. I think we have engineers at NPR who are going to be like, you should build a studio under your table like Sam. (laughs) I know the standard. Yeah, you're setting the bar now, Sam. This is a problem. Very high. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. (laughs) So we're going to get to the news of the week, which, as it's been for the last few weeks, coronavirus. But I want us to still find some joy in all of this as we talk about this news. So I want to start with a song that I heard this week with a story that brought me a lot of joy and warmed my heart. Let's listen. Y'all hear that? That's the mariachi going on, right? You hear it? Nice. I feel like I needed this. So that is the Varsity Mariachi Band from Roma High School in Roma, Texas. Uh, Like all of us, they've had to readjust as coronavirus makes it harder and harder to meet in person to do anything. So this band called Mariachi Nuevo Santander, they found a workaround. Uh, They have been playing together as a full band via video conferencing. It's kind of amazing. That's amazing. They sound great. I know, it's insane. So, David, Kelly, have y'all been taking advantage of the Zooms and the Skypes and the (laughs) FaceTimes and the video conferencing? So many Zooms. There's, like, family Zooms. There's friend Zooms. There's, like, kid Zooms. So much Zooming at our house. I have to say, I don't want to bring us down. I've tried some of the Zoom, but uh, my wife and I have actually, we've, we've found the idea of it kind of makes it a little sad because it doesn't totally feel like the real thing. So we're, we're struggling through some of that, yeah. but we're trying. Well, I'm open to it. Oh, yeah. I want to try to reload my video conference because it froze. Okay. Uh, We've lost your hotbox on screen. We lost your hotbox, yeah. We lost the video of your hotbox. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see it. You're back. Like. You're back. Okay, cool, sweet. Live right. from the hotbox. Uh, live from the hotbox. Live from the hotbox. This is NPR. <laughs> 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 All right. Each week, I have my panelists uh, describe their week of news in only three words. This week, the news is just coronavirus, really. Um, I want us to talk about that, but I also want my panelists to talk about how this virus is affecting their lives because they're real people, too. Um, so in that spirit, David, we're going to have you go first. You have three words, 
and they're about what you've been going through this last week, but also about the virus's impact on the food industry because your wife is in that business. Yeah, she is. And it's actually, um, it's three words from her, which I think is a first on your show. I don't normally quote my own wife um, when I'm doing my job. I love but it. She, Let's uh, do it. Yeah, I mean, she owns two restaurants and she uh, was interviewed by Atlantic this week. Um, and the three words that really stuck with me were can't fix things. She talked about how mm. in restaurants... You always have to fix things, sometimes at a moment's notice. And she said that we make game time decisions to make people happy. And the fact that I can't fix things now is breaking my heart. Um, and that's, you know, why she got into this industry. I think it's why so many people who, you know, there are 15 million people who work in restaurants around the country. It's why so many of them got in the industry to see people share a space and eat food and talk about their problems and come together and no one in this industry can do that right now. And so it's really scary. It's scary for so many people around the country. And I think, you know, this this bill looks like it's going to be signed, the stimulus bill coming from Congress. And it helps a lot of people in the country. It, it targets people in the restaurant industry, both through these expanded unemployment benefits and also this $350 billion to go to to small businesses like restaurants. And, you know, it's not without controversy. There's a lot of conversation right now about whether it's going to focus enough on small businesses, maybe too much on larger businesses. But, you know, Rose furloughed 50 people. She is doing, you know, she's keeping oh them goodness. on health insurance. She's making sure to pay for their health insurance and at least give them that. Um, and the hope, you know, is that this unemployment assistance that's expanded, these direct loans to businesses that might help with rent, with utilities, can you know get these small businesses through long enough to be able to come out on the other side? Um, yeah, but you know it's it's not just you know I said this to to Rose. It's not just about making people happy. It's also about keeping them safe and healthy. Um, for me, it's also like not knowing this timeline of when this recovery actually gets to people. So we're taping this Friday morning. This big recovery bill is close to passing, but we're still not sure when the checks will get to folks once they're approved. Um, we do know that it's a big extension. They've raised the benefits for unemployment to four months of full pay, not just three. They've upped the amount you can get per week, and they've included now folks who are self-employed, folks who are gig workers. So it all sounds good, but who knows when the checks get to the people, you know? Oh, yeah. And they're like, you know, it'll be direct deposited into your account. Well, what if you don't have a bank account? What if you've never set up a direct deposit with the federal government? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of kinks to work out for people to get that money. Oh, yeah. So, David, is Rose hearing other things from other restaurant owners, other folks in the food biz? Is there an attitude of optimism, fear? How is the industry itself feeling right now from what you can tell? I mean, I, I think if you if you are, um, you know, it, it's really different. If you're a restaurant employee um, who can get by and, you know, can find other sources of income for a little while, there's a feeling of like, how can I help? What can I do in this moment? You know, we're going to be back in the restaurant in a few months and it's going to be okay. But there are a lot of people who work in restaurants who are just literally like suddenly were shown the door with absolutely no time to prepare for that and no certainty about when those doors are going to open again. And that is terrifying. Um, and so I, I think 
Yeah. There's a feeling of let's focus on the now. You know, I know a lot of employees um, immediately got on the phone with, you know, local government agencies to get on the unemployment list as quickly as possible. And a lot of people in the restaurant industry are saying, like, look, I need to be officially unemployed so I can get this assistance. But I hope that as soon as those doors open again, I can be back working for you. But, you know, as, as we said, yeah. it's it's a whole process. It's like these, you know, the actually getting these direct checks are going to be a big question when they come. You know, you have to fight through long lines of people and long waits on the phone to even register for unemployment yeah. and get the process started. And, you know, these loans to businesses, these are loan guarantees through the federal government that have to be done through banks and through the Small Business Administration. So, you know, everyone is trying to say, like, let's get this going as quickly as possible. But it's paperwork, it's bureaucracy. And so nothing happens that quickly, even with the best intentions. Yeah. And so the big question is, in the meantime, how do folks pay rent? You know, I mean, are you hearing from Rose and her employees about how they're going to just make it the next few weeks till this help gets to them? Well, everyone is talking about that and everyone, you know, is talking to the the developers and landlords and the people who that rent is going to. And there's there's a feeling of, you know, will everyone come together and find a way to share the burden? You know, if it's deferred rent, if it's forgiven rent, um, things like that. And so that's the big question. And, you know, there, there are beautiful stories of everyone saying, like, what can we do? Let's come together and and all share the burden. But when that doesn't happen, that puts a lot of pressure on, you know, one of the individuals or businesses involved. Oh, yeah. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, joined by two guests this week, David Green, co-host of NPR's Morning Edition, and Kelly McEvers, host of the NPR podcast Embedded and NPR's newest podcast, Coronavirus Daily, full of daily coronavirus news. You got... A second job during the midst of this crisis, Kelly. (laughs) So on top of your day job making audio, you, like so many other parents across the country right now, have taken on a second job homeschooling your child. You have three words about that. TFH, teaching from home. Like that's like, like think about it. Like in one pretty much weekend, an entire nation became like millions, tens of millions of people became home educators, Um, people who are obviously not trained for this and people who are not equipped for this. Look, in my household, we are incredibly lucky. My child goes to a Los Angeles public school, and I can tell you that one week before schools were closed, they knew this was happening. They planned for it. This is not how it is for most of the kids in the country. I mean, we are the luckiest people in the world. We have internet. We have a house. Yep. She has a device. Yep. For millions of children yeah. in this country, that is not an option. And they might not have parents at home. Lots of parents are having to still go to work. Right. You right, know? Right. And so there is a little bit of money in this coronavirus bill to help grade schools do online distance learning for folks. But... When is that going to get to families that really need it? Well, Democrats asked for money specifically for this issue called the homework gap. And I saw reporting in Politico last night that they did not get it. There's general money in this rescue package for um, schools, higher education and for schools, um, but not specifically to address this gap. And if they don't solve it now, what's going to happen is you're going to have kids go back to school. Um, Our um, education reporter, I heard Anya Kamenetz um, reporting on this on NPR yesterday, 
you're they're going to go back to school and you're going to have to make up for it, right? You're going to have to offer after school programs and summer classes so kids can make up for yeah. this. And it's really it's really scary to think about those gaps when you look at how long this time horizon is for schools being closed. So many districts yeah. across the country have made the call to close for the rest of the school year at least. Oh, let's be honest. I mean, it's there's we've been planning in our household and in our school district that she's not going back to school this year. I mean, that's just a fact. And, you know, when you have a 10-year-old who's sort of a self-directed only child and has this incredibly engaged Oh, she is very self-directed. I know her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. But, I mean, think about, like, a, a preschooler or a kindergartner, somebody who's just first engaging with school, like, where school is just this brand new thing, and then you take that away. How do you explain this? And how do you explain the why? How do you explain this to, right. a, to a preschooler? Like, what's happening? I know. And, and we don't know what the effects of this are going to be long term. We were having a conversation about it last night, even with our self-directed 10-year-old. It's like, is she going to be like never run out of toilet paper for the rest of her life. Like, what is this going to do to the coronavirus generation, Generation C? Generation C. Yeah, Generation C. What's it going to be like? We don't know. Um, and those of us who have the time, space, and resources to be sensitive to all that, we are doing our best with our kids. But you don't have childcare anymore. What? And just are people just sitting in front of the TV? Probably. Um, maybe they'll just end yeah. up like and us, you know like what? Generation X. <laughs> yeah. But also it's like I cannot fault any parent for sitting their kid in front of the TV right now. No. Do what you no. got to do to get through. No, no, no. Do what you got I, to do. I have a really good friend who's an ER doctor in New York. She's in the thick of things right now. And she's just like, yeah, parenting rules. She's like, those are gone. <laughs> like, she's just like, it's literally just exactly. like, how do you get through the day? Screen time limits? What are those? Yeah, yeah. Just get through like, it. She was telling me this great story of her her kid's like, he has a trampoline and he just like stands in front of the TV watching TV and just <laughs> jumping on a trampoline. I want to do that. <laughs> for Can like I do that? hours okay, That's kind of what I, I want to do. That. I want an hour a day of trampoline TV time. I just figured out my weekend. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, yeah. That's going to be my weekend. It's just like who Netflix cares? and trampoline. It's... I love it. <laughs> Netflix and trampoline. <laughs> So, listeners, we are going to talk to a lot of parents who are trying to homeschool their kids right now. In our upcoming Tuesday episode, you will hear me talking with parents across the country on how they are teaching their kids. Tune in for that. All right. Coming up, y'all, love in the time of the Rona. We chat with a journalist who has been compiling hundreds of stories about relationship drama brought on by being trapped in the house with your partner nonstop for weeks. Laughter guaranteed. You are listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Rothy's. During this unusual time, Rothy's is committed to engaging people with sustainable products and content that brighten your day. They make stylish shoes and bags out of recycled materials, including plastic water bottles and ocean-bound marine plastic. Rothy's always come with free shipping and free returns. Head to rothys.com minute to learn more. This message comes from NPR sponsor Chobani Oat, made to taste just like milk. It's creamy, frothy, and great with coffee and cookies, but without the dairy, because it's not milk, it's almost milk. New Chobani Oat. 
There are scientists out there trying to chart the frontiers of the unknown. That's right. He has been to some places that no other human being has seen. What does that feel like? I've been to places you don't know. <laughs> I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Join me as we journey through talks that take us to places uncharted. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Subscribe or listen now. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm your host, Sam Sanders, and I'm joined this episode by really, truly two all-stars, David Green, co-host of NPR's Morning Edition, and Kelly McEvers wearing two job hats right now. She hosts her own investigative podcast for NPR called Embedded, and she also hosts NPR's newest podcast, Coronavirus Daily, full of news you can use about this pandemic. Uh, question for you both, David Kelly. How has life been right now uh, with your spouses in this time of <laughs> hunkering down with them all the time? <laughs> you go first. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> it's been different. You know, what's interesting, I mean... Rose and I actually have a, a kind of strange routine where we're really used to being apart because I'm often in L.A. for NPR and she's in Washington, D.C. And then we see each other on weekends. Um, so to be together day in and day out, it's kind of like it mostly it's just been the little thing so far. Like the I'm going to use the bathroom now. No, this is my bathroom time. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not used to you being here. And it's like you just look for the tone. It's like if it's, oh, I'm just, I'm just not used to you being here. It's like, oh, that's cute. Well, we're, but it's like, I'm not used to you being here. It's like, well, wait, I mean, but aren't you happy that I'm here and we're together? Um, no, it's funny. I think the thing I noticed the most, I mean, to be totally honest, is it's so nice to wake up together each day and be able to look each other in the eyes and say, like, are we okay? Are you okay? Am I okay? This is a man who knows his wife is listening. <laughs> I have no Kelly, idea what you're. You I have no idea what you're saying. So yeah, so like on our bad days, you're like, why are we fighting over how to use an ice cream maker? And like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna walk the dog because that's like all you can do. You can't go anywhere, you know. You're just like, I'm gonna go walk the dog for 20 minutes. So so I bring all this up because. Amid all the anxiety and chaos of this moment and the pressures of being trapped with your loved ones and family, there is one thing in all of that that brings me some comfort and it brings me some laughs. Uh, because even in times of crisis, like a global pandemic, there will always be petty fights between couples. I love my fiance, obvious, right? But since shelter in place has gone into effect, I began to notice everything he does wrong. Leaving trash around, throwing clothes on the floor, leaving dirty dishes everywhere. I am not your mother, big boy. God grant me patience and send me lots of margaritas. <laughs> so that is Meg Zukin. <laughs> She's amazing. a writer at Variety. And a few weeks ago, Meg sent a tweet asking for couples to send her their coronavirus couple drama. Like all the fights that have happened since these couples across the country and world have been trapped together 24-7. She got hundreds of responses, y'all, so many responses that Meg made a website for them where people could anonymously submit their coronavirus relationship stories. And if they want, also donate money to various coronavirus relief funds. This site is called The Social Distance Project, and it is so hilarious hearing these couples vent. Um, I called up Meg, and she and I shared a few of our favorite submissions. There was one my editor was asking about, about the limes. Oh, the limes is my absolute favorite story. Let's do it. Okay, here, here we go. Here we go. 
Day three of us working from home. My boyfriend got mad at me because I squeezed whole limes on my lunch and dinner, and now we don't have any more fresh limes left. Only got those green instant lime juice things that are shaped like a lime, and we had a fight because I tried to reach for it. Which is so... I think emblematic of the types of fights that people will get into while in quarantine together. Like well, the not smallest these... things become the biggest things. Exactly. It's like you become annoyed with the way someone else breathes or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Here's one called Man Child. It reads, because of his flexible schedule, my husband watches our toddler during the week while I'm in a traditional office setting. Clearly, now we're all home together, and he is playing video games all day while I balance working from home and entertaining the two-year-old. How did this happen? Why is this okay? I'm going to lose it. And I guess that sets up my biggest question for you. Like, you've seen all these entries. Are the majority of them stories of stress and awfulness, or are the majority stories of joy? Like, what's the big theme of all of these in general? I think it's really split. I think there's a lot of really short glib entries about petty Mm non-fights. And I think that there are some very serious and sad and somber stories. Um, I think just the act of reading them and reading other people's stories, people feel connected and there's this sense of community. So no one's talking about, you know, the human interest aspect and how it's affecting people like in their real daily life and it's like yeah. if you get into a huge fight and break up during this you're still it, stuck in the house with them as well exactly. like imagine the couples living together it's crazy totally and well this one is really crazy it's called spouses without borders a few mm-hmm. weeks ago i traveled to spain to pick up my kids from my ex-husband's vacation home they are four and six so they cannot fly alone when i got there the borders closed so i was stuck in my ex-husband's home with my kids my boyfriend and my ex-husband's new wife no No. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) And this isn't even done. My My ex-husband traveled to America for work and cannot get back into the country. It is getting super claustrophobic here, and I cannot afford a hotel right now, nor do I want to leave the house because so many people are sick here. I cannot stand my ex-husband's new wife, and things are getting (laughs) tense with my boyfriend. If I have to stay in this house another day, I'll end up fighting my ex-husband's new wife. Please open the borders, Spain. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's a, I love this one from March 22nd. It's called Ration the Wine. I won't read the whole thing, but the highlights are this. It starts in all caps. Don't touch my wine. So my fiance and I decide to stock up and stay in. Before this, we make a list of projects, food and booze we will need to survive. He chooses beer. I chose my wine and we buy enough to keep us out of the stores for a bit. She goes on to say, the other day, I come upstairs from my laundry and he is sitting on our patio drinking a glass of my wine. I totally lose it and start screaming at him as if he was the worst human being in the world. And it goes on to a predictable story. Uh, It's just like reading those kind of stories, I wonder... And I wonder if you have an answer for this. Do you think this isolation and quarantine right now with coronavirus is going to, on the whole, strengthen relationships or ruin them? I think it will strengthen them. I think people will really learn how to have to let things go if they want to keep their sanity. I think that couples are really going to have to just... You just have to deal with it. Just have to deal with it. And when you need physical space, like, find it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So you are isolating right now with your boyfriend as doing this project and getting this, you know, insider view of so many relationships. Has it changed how you approach your relationship during this coronavirus time? I don't know. Yeah, it's made me, I think, more grateful for my relationship and the patience that we both, I think, exercise. But I, I don't think it's a good thing to ever look at these stories and try to compare your relationship against someone else's, especially with such little information. I think kind of it's a good idea mm-hmm. to sort out what's actually something that bothers you on like the microscopic level and what can you live with and then or just maybe do yourself if it annoys you. Totally. What's the big stuff? What's the small stuff? Totally. I want to read one last entry because I find it hilarious and then ask you my last question. This one is called Another Farting Story. It reads, <laughs> I am the kind of girl that is never and will never feel comfortable passing gas or number twoing in the same vicinity as their partner. Yes, I'm aware I should get over this. Let's just say that now, living in a 600-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment with my fiancé, I am miserably trapped. I have nowhere to literally go. And that raises my last question for you. After all of this, all these entries, your experience with your boyfriend, is it better in the time of coronavirus to be alone or to be with that partner? (laughs) I think if you're used to cohabitating with someone and then you're suddenly alone... I think that could be very difficult. Um, But I think if you're kind of used to living on your own and you have people that you can regularly like FaceTime with or talk on the phone with, then I think it's kind of fine. It's Yeah, exactly. I mean, I will say I have begun talking to my dog. She does not talk back. Maybe one day she will. (laughs) Yeah, if you have a pet, you're like totally chilling. And my younger brother said to me, it was so cute. He was like, the only good thing about coronavirus is how much love all the pets in the world are getting right now. Oh, it's so I know, true. I was like, that's so true. The like, dogs are loving this. Yeah, they're so happy and they have no idea what's going on. God bless the dogs. Totally. Thanks again to Meg Zukin, writer at Variety. Her website, full of coronavirus relationship drama, is thesocialdistanceproject.org. All right, before we go to break, we actually have a special message Last week on the show, we asked a bunch of people, our listeners and everyone else, to tell us what's bringing them joy and helping them get through this pandemic. We heard from all kinds of folks, including two people who probably bring lots of joy to lots of people. The comedians Jesus Nice and The Kid Marrow. They both host a very popular late night talk show series, Jesus and Marrow. On Showtime, here is a voice memo they sent to us. Hey, it's your boy, Jesus Nice. And the way I'm getting through these rough times is just kind of just slowing everything down because you got nothing but time. So I'm just exploring things in my apartment. Uh, rediscovered my bread maker. Also, I went through my fridge and I threw away all the old condiments. And you'd be surprised. There's some old condiments in your fridge. You don't know it. They're hiding behind the baking soda. So listen, from Jesus to you, check your fridge. Be safe, y'all. I'm out. Yo, what's up? It's your boy, The Kid Mero, and I'm here at the crib, like you are. <laughs> I know this sounds absolutely insane, but now is a great time to really connect with the people that you love. You know what I mean? And don't be all doom and gloom. You know what I mean? We'll get through this. This is light work. And now, a public service announcement from Mero 4 and the Bodega Princess. It's your boy, The Kid Mero, signing off. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for that message. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to play my favorite game, a very special celebrity edition of Who Said That? BRB. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Target. Entrepreneur Ray Phillips had a great idea, and when he partnered with Target supplier diversity lead Mike Alexander, he was able to grow his company with Target's help. The idea for Zipsox came as I worked as a program director for a residential treatment facility for children. Um, there was a nine-year-old boy who'd refused to bathe because he couldn't take his favorite stuffed animal with him in the bathtub. I grabbed another stuffed animal, modified it to hold soap, uh, and lo and behold, it solved the problem. My son, we had the hippo. Every time he took a bath, this was, you know, his his sidekick that he took to the tub with him. It made me feel even more comfortable with my recommendation, my support, as well as the love that I had for the brand. Learn more about how Target supports diverse entrepreneurs at Target.com slash founders we love. Hey, parents, Mindy here from Wow in the World, NPR's podcast for all ages. With schools out, we are all looking for fun ways to educate and entertain our kids. Wow in the World has over 100 science-filled, screen-free episodes to help them laugh and learn. It's like a cartoon for their brains. Wow in the World from Tinkercast and NPR. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. You're listening to a very special home studio edition of the show featuring two friends and colleagues of mine, Kelly McEvers, host of the NPR podcast Embedded and NPR's newest podcast, Coronavirus Daily. She is recording in the shed in her backyard. That's right. (laughs) Also joined by David Green, co-host of NPR's Morning Edition. And you're recording, David... Where? In my living room, which is not nearly as cool as a shed or beneath a dining room table. I mean, I feel like I need to I need to get a cooler spot. This is not a cool home studio. Get to a shed right Find now. me a shed. <laughs> Y'all, it is time for my favorite game uh, to bring some joy in this week when we all need some joy. It's time for Who Said That? Ooh, and this and that. All right, y'all, this week I want to play a very special celebrity edition of the game. Because I've recently been obsessed with the way famous people have been living out their social distance house arrest online. Uh, They're kind of losing it, and it shows. Have y'all been watching this? All the celebrities posting the videos where they're just losing their minds slowly. I mean, can we talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like, is anybody a little worried about him? Okay, what happened with him? There's goats in his house? Yeah, that's all you need. There's a cigar... That's all we need to say. There are goats in his house. Like that that is now that covers why we're worried. Anyways, in the spirit of celebrities behaving kind of badly in the age of the Rona, I want to play a special game of Who Said That, in which every quote this week for the game will come from celebrities reacting to coronavirus. Oh no. Y'all ready? Maybe, yes. This first quote comes from one of the biggest pop singers of all time. The quote is We will learn to kiss and hold each other through the waves of the web. We will feed each other, redistribute wealth, strike. Who said that? Mm. Madonna. Close. Another blonde singer. Gaga. She sings songs like Hit Me Baby One More Time. Oh, Britney Spears. Britney Spears has gone full on. Uh, prepper, maybe socialist. Um, she's been posting to her Instagram all week in solidarity with the people. It's been funny to watch. 
Her full post to Instagram reads, During this time of isolation, we need connection now more than ever. Call your loved ones, write virtual love letters. Technologies like virtual communication, streaming, and broadcasting are part of our community collaboration. We will learn to kiss and hold each other through the waves of the web. We will feed each other, redistribute wealth, strike. We will understand our own importance from the places we must stay. Communion moves beyond walls. We can still be together. You know what? You go, Brittany. I did not. I would not have predicted okay. I'd be getting advice from Brittany Spears through this moment. But you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready for 100%. it. Yeah. Kelly, you got it. Next quote. Come on, go. Let's go eat some fried fish because there's no more pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just play all the audio. Come on, go. Let's go eat some fried fish. Fried fish. Because there's no more pasta. Can you tell who that is? It sound, it's, she's riffing on a very popular song. Is it her own song? Yeah. Come on, go. Come on. Madonna. Yes. That's Madonna. Yes, that's Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird version of Madonna being herself. Yes. This week, Madonna changed the words of her classic song, Vogue, to speak to the time. That didn't sound anything like Vogue. That's what's so crazy. <laughs> Come on, Vogue. <laughs> so basically, she changed the words of her classic song, Vogue, to speak to a reality all of us are living through right now. Fridge is getting empty. Um, she was out of pasta, had to yeah. eat some fried fish, made a song about it. Madonna, I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with that, and nothing's yeah. wrong with fried fish. I mean, I'm, fried fish to me is not settling. Yeah, well, the thing about fried fish, if you make fried fish... During a time of home isolation, you got to sit in that house till the fried fish smell goes away. Uh, and that could be That is days. true. Because that stuff gets That's in the fair. walls. you got to pay for it. But it's worth it. Right. Fried fish. Yeah. Last quote. Before you go out in public, ask yourself, is it worth it? Can I work it? Can I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it? Missy Elliott? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <Yeah. laughs> I, I'm going to play that every time I get ready to go outside. So our queen, Missy uh-huh. Elliott, turned her hit Work It into a coronavirus PSA. you love to see it. Hit the song. Yes, please. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. I have this image now of everyone socially distancing outside while dancing to this song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would be so beautiful. That is giving me life. Speaking of beauty and beautiful things, Kelly, you wonderfully won this game. Three to zero, I think. Congrats. <laughs> crushed. Crushed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of help on that first one. You know, I'm happy to help. In times like these, we all could use some help. Congrats, <laughs> Kelly. That concludes Who Said That. All right, now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week, I ask our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag, and they do. Janae, let's hear it. Hi, Sam. This is Emily in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm Catherine. And the best part of our week was that after lots and lots of practice getting past fear, Catherine finally learned how to ride a two-wheeler all by herself with no training wheels. Hey, Sam. The best part of my week was biking up Mont Royal in Montreal, Canada, where I got to spend some alone time with me, myself, and I. Hi, Sam. This is Dave in Seattle. Best part of my week this week was getting together online with my friends to play D&D. We've been playing for 10 years. We're not going to let a virus stop us now. Hey, Sam. This is Sarah. And the best thing that's happened to me this week is that my mom received a successful 
kidney transplant yesterday. Hi, Sam. It's Hitali. The best part of my week was delivering flowers and champagne and cookie dough to a friend of a friend who found out where she matched for residency today. I hope that it made her day to get it as much as it made mine to do it. And Reina, if you're listening, I promise I wiped everything down really thoroughly. Hey, Sam, this is Adam from Seattle. After a week of trying to find the ingredients, we made your Aunt Betty's pound cake. And I've been posting the baking steps on Twitter, and we finally came out of the oven, and it cooled off enough, and it is so good. So please thank your Aunt Betty for setting up that recipe for us. It's really good. That's my daughter. She thinks it's really good. Thanks a lot, Sam. Thanks for everything and hoping you're staying healthy. Thanks. Thanks. Y'all have a great week. Thanks, Sam. Hang in there. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. So beautiful. So good to hear right now. So good to hear right now. Some bright spots. My goal is to make my Aunt Betty's pound cake at some point this weekend. And if I do, Kelly, I will drop some outside of your house. Okay. Yes. That's a deal. Loretta loves Uh, pound cake. I'm right here. I'm right here if you want to send some. Right here. Right here. I'll mail it to D.C. (laughs) Listeners, keep your best things coming. You can record yourself on your phone and email that sound file to me at any point throughout any week at samsanders at npr.org. Thanks to all those listeners you just heard. Adam, Hatali, Sarah, David, Ellie. And thanks to Emily and her daughter, Catherine. Uh, it is time now to say goodbye to you both. Kelly McEvers, host of two NPR podcasts, Embedded and Coronavirus Daily. David Green, co-host of NPR's Morning Edition. Thank y'all for being here. I really appreciate your time. Of course. In a weird week. Miss you both. Be safe. I miss you guys. I miss y'all too. And just want to say that um, over on another show that I host, Embedded, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from listeners. We want to hear from people who are going through stuff, who are living through this. We want to talk to you. We want to check back in with you. Are you a healthcare worker working on the front lines? Are you a small business owner going through stuff? We just want to hear from you. Send us an email or a voice memo, embedded at npr.org. Embedded at npr.org. All right, this week the show was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry, Andrea Gutierrez, and Hafsa Fatima. Our fearless editor is Renana Hochman, and our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grunman. Listeners, till next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay sane. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. We'll have to take frequent breaks, most likely, because it's a hot box where I am under my table with blankets all over. I'm going to take a an air break. Give me 30 seconds. Oh, man. Oh, God.